Magnetize your eyes. One, two, lash. The original magnetic eyelash. Wait, your eyes aren't magnetic. One strip of lashes sits on top of your natural eyelash. A second strip goes underneath. Micro magnets connect them to each that other. That sounds heavy. The micro magnets are so light, it'll feel like you're not wearing anything at all. Really? Really. Try this game changing technology for yourself. Listeners can receive $10 off with the code LIFESTYLE just for tuning in. Hurry over to 12lash.com today. Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm late to transportation. Shut up. You're here. And good thing because we've got lots of work. The talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I sat down with Josh Radner. He's probably best known um, for being Ted Mosby, a co-star in the Emmy Award-winning CBS long-running sitcom, How I Met Your Mother. Um, It ran for nine years, and uh, that's a lot of money and a lot of stability in the entertainment world. And Josh handled it exactly how I think I would if I had that dreamy golden handcuffs. Um, he went off and made his own movies. And that's actually how I got to know him, which was fr- were from his films, um, Liberal Arts and uh, Happy Thank You More, Please. And I believe he's working on another film now as we speak, as well as doing right. Um, he writes his own scripts. He's also helping with other scripts. And he's still acting. He's in um, an excellent, excellent program on PBS called Mercy Street. Uh, strongly recommend you check that out. And um, you can tell from our interview that I have a special place in my heart for Mr. Josh Radner. I really wanted to find out what was it like going up to going to a religious school growing up. Because to the I, Columbus Torah Academy? Yeah. What was the Columbus Torah Academy like? It was... Um... I don't know. I graduated in eighth grade with 12 people in my grade. Wow. Yeah. And then I went to the big, enormous public high school with like 750 people. The 12 Israelites, and then you're like, yeah, yeah. It was a significant number. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, I I, I don't know how to talk about, like, it was what it was. You know, I had to wear a yarmulke every day, and we prayed every morning. I mean, but my family wasn't very religious. It was almost like going to Catholic school when you're not super Catholic or something. I rang, I went to Protestant. School, uh, a school that is Protestant, and I ring the handbells. Oh, congrats! In chapel. Thank you. It's paid off. <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> um, from the get-go, you had mentors. You had people who were like telling you you should do acting. Yeah. Um, and I thought if you could share that because that is very rare. I think. Um, or I think mentorship is very rare. I wanted to hear what your experience. Was yeah. Like. Someone pointed out to me after liberal arts that both my movies have like strong mentor figures in them, and and I have two other movies that I didn't even realize I had written that in. But I feel like it's been it's important to me, like the people that kind of whisper in your ear at the right moment and say, "You can do this. You should do this. Go on and do this." Uh, and then I try to do that for other people, you know, if they've got the stuff. How do you do that? Um, what do you mean? How do I do that? How do you specifically try to mentor people? Um, I mean, if people, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, I, I've worked with young people that I really like believe in and tell them, you know, I think even just like an older actor pulling you aside and saying you were great, that, that that's a great scene. 
Like that means so much. Yeah. Because it's such a naturally insecure thing to get up and perform anything, you know? Yes. It's, it just puts you in a state of constant um, self-doubt. So when someone you might respect will say, great work, you know, that means everything. And that happened to you. You had actors who looked at you and said you were doing really well. Yeah, I went, I, I would go to like these summer theater pre- programs and be an apprentice, you know, at these different places. And actors I really rem- admired um, I, at, at really pivotal, like when I was like 19 or 20, mm-hmm. like pulled, like, you know, that age that Sydney loves. Like I was like, <laughs> I, I would be pulled aside and said, you know, you're, you're going to do this. And, and I, it was before I believed I could, you know what I mean? So you had um, a lot of very serious theater training. And uh, you went did an MFA in, in theater at NYU. Yeah, you went right, over, right over there. Kenyon. I feel like NYU is everywhere now, actually. I think they own yeah, like We were on one specific of... hallway on the corner of Waverly and Broadway. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one area. So you had this rigorous training, and I was just curious, how did that help you prepare to be in Not Another Teenage Movie? <laughs> well... <laughs> I think you'll see... Can we, can we show a clip? I did not, by the way, know that she was going to show this, and she told me backstage, and I just would like the record show that I'm furious and enjoy <laughs> he it. He is very upset. He is very upset. But you were very nice about being game to, to do it. But not on the inside. Not on the inside. <laughs> or the outside. You're, you're beat red. Um, let's see. Where is she? I thought she'd be here by now. That's not me. <laughs> What's going on? Shh. We can't talk until she starts moving again. That's, by the way, not the clip I thought you were going to show. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. I, I, Can I tell you an amazing story about that? Yes, please. Uh, okay, I, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but that movie came out... And I read an article on the Kennedy Center Honors like a couple days later, and Julie Andrews and Jack Nicholson were being honored. And they said, you know, Miss Andrews had, you know, rocketed uh, to stardom in classy vehicles right from the start, whereas Mr. Nicholson started off in like, I don't know, Hell's Angels Biker Chicks or something, like some yes. ridiculous movie. And the, the, whoever was writing this in the New York Times says, which leads to a frightening thought. Somewhere in not another teen movie, a Kennedy Center honoree may be lurking. And I was like, oh my God! Wait, maybe they're talking about me. But it made, it made me feel like you gotta start somewhere. You, you know yes. what I mean? Like, that's okay that I was in that movie. Because I just, I, I came out to LA and I just did a meeting with a casting director and he said, I don't know how to do these, but come back and read this in two days. And I just read for the director, and I had the thing that, that afternoon. And I just had a couple lines, and it was totally fine. And I'd never been on film before. Like, I was baffled. I didn't know what I was doing. I know, but just most actors struggle before. The, I mean, I don't think everyone picks their... This was mid-struggle. Films. The struggle, <laughs> it wasn't like I did not in see movie. It was like, struggle done. That's, that kid's got it. But I'd be excited. I don't know. I think that it's exciting to work, and you got work. <laughs> he can talk out of the side of his mouth. It is, exci- it is exciting to work. It's also, you know, there's a joke, like, how do you ruin an actor's day? Give him a job. Because, <laughs> like, a lot of actors, like, we, like, you know, they sit around and drink a lot of coffee and talk and complain and check their phone. 
And then it's like they have to work, and they're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. But it's like what you want, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. Pity party is really there. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, you I'm not work. talking about myself. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You've been working straight all the way through. Um, mm, not quite. But not yeah. quite? I mean, it always feels... When you compress it all together, it looks like a lot. But, you know, there are times where... But I, I try to use that time well. I'm not... Like an actor that's always like complaining, like I gotta, gotta get a job. Like I, I, I value my downtime. At this point, maybe, maybe earlier I had more panics, panic attacks. You know. It seemed like you were working quite a bit when when you were young, and um, one of the things I was so intrigued by was um, you were in a play, The Paris Letter, um, by Robbie Bates, who's been on Employee of the Month show. He's been oh, a, yeah. an award winner, um, and I wanted to ask you um, what was it like. I assume that was your first nude role. <laughs> did, did you say new role? Nude. Oh, nude, nude role. Naked. Yeah, naked. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got naked in it. Um, with with your soon-to-be colleague for How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. But you guys didn't know that then. No, no, it was weird. Um, oh, is there a picture? Oh, yeah. You naked. There's me and Neil Patrick Harris in love. Um... Because you guys were love. I want to just because not everyone knows the play, but you were playing lovers in the. This is yeah, yeah. a serious thought. No, no, it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing in play. To not yet another teen movie. <laughs> yeah, just to show my range. <laughs> um, yeah, I did this play of Robbie's in uh, in college called Three Hotels. These oh, monologues. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful play. And then he was at Vassar that summer that I, when I was an apprentice there when I was 19. So I got to talk to him, and I've always loved his writing. And th they were doing this on Broadway, and I almost got it and didn't get it. They gave it to another guy, and I was devastated. And then the Broadway play didn't happen, and then a year later, they were opening it in Los Angeles, and then I got that. So I got to do the world premiere of it, which was thrilling. And then, yeah, Neil and I played um, Love Airs, and... Um, and then three months later, we were, <laughs> we were playing Ted and Barney for the next nine years, which was super vertigo-inducing. Like, I must have been crazy. Did, did either of you know that the other person was even auditioning? Or were you... How did you I got the role... Uh, Kobe Smolders and I were the first people cast. And then I heard from my agent at the time that Neil got the, 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 this, this part. And I, 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 they said they were looking for like a Jack Black type for that part. And I remember thinking, I don't think that's Neil. <laughs> He's a very talented transformational actor, but he kind of redefined the role. And then, you know, I called him and I was like, that's, this is crazy, you know? And I, no, I don't think any of us <laughs> knew it would go on so long. So you had this co-starring role on a major show on, on CBS for nine years, which in some ways sounds like a dream and in other ways sounds um, terrifying. And I wanted to hear for you, um, what are the perks of, you know, finally getting that quote-unquote dream job and what are the, the challenges? You know, it's... Uh, one of the things I talked about in liberal arts was... The, the character I played, he's 35, and he meets this 19-year-old girl um, at, uh, played by Elizabeth Olsen. And it, it's, not what, it's not the kind of movie you think it is. If you haven't seen it, I'd love for you to see it. It's on Netflix. Um, it is but, indeed. It's very but, good. Uh, but uh, he talks about how when he was in college, he had this feeling like of infinite possibility, like everything was ahead of him, all choices. And there's a kind of joy in that. Just like that you're unformed. You're like this kind of lump of clay that hasn't been molded or something. I don't know. Pick your metaphor. But you know what I mean? It's, it kind of feels like you could anything could happen. And then you have to make choices. Like you have to like take your first job 
you have to move to a certain city. You have to, you know, uh, relationships happen. Like all these things start happening and the gro it gets grooved in and your life starts happening. And naturally there's this kind of narrowing that starts to happen. So when I was like a young actor in New York or ha having just moved to Los Angeles, it felt like anything could happen. I could get a Broadway show, an off-Broadway show, an indie film that hits, you know, a big studio movie, like anything could happen or nothing could happen. I could be a total right. failure, move back to Ohio. Um, but what happened was I got on this big show and then suddenly you become very publicly associated with this one thing and then you have this next phase of your life which is kind of trying to not spit on that or, or run away from it but also, you know, open up new avenues for yourself where you're thought of in different ways. So it's this incredible... It, it gives you this amazing entree and, and it, opportunity, and at the same time, it, it's it's kind of narrowing. Um, I always because, say like because that character doesn't really grow over the same nine years. Well, He's no, I mean, I, in terms of like multi-camera sitcoms, I had like an incredibly dimensional character that grew a lot, I think. But um, sorry, no, it's, it's <laughs> a, you didn't you didn't watch it, did you? <laughs> I did. In all fairness, I did not watch it regularly. I, it's I, fine. I, this I went, is my first went, employee of the month. I went from the. I went from the back backwards. It, because the um, creators went to Wesleyan, they were actually in my yeah. my class. And yeah. I um I did love the depth of the characters. I did not feel like it was a very accurate portrait of New York. Of New York? <laughs> yes. Well it can't you know why? Is like you can't accurately portray New York City because you can't get cameras into the size of the apartment that people actually <laughs> in live New in. York. in New That's York. why. There's only one movie I've seen. Did you ever see this uh, Katie Holmes movie, Pieces of April, this Peter Hedges movie? Yes. That they was actually excellent. it looks like this tiny, tiny apartment. I don't yes. know how they did that, but it's the only movie I've ever seen that was like, that looks like New York. And your, your show was an incredible um, hybrid. I was about to say hybrid. Um, but it, it was, and you had multi-cameras, but then you, you also didn't shoot in front of an audience. Correct, never once. Um, so that gives you a little intimacy and privacy yeah. that I think the other multi-cameras don't get. So you get to actually act as your Yeah, show. and I always felt like whenever I would go to multi-camera tapings, you know, they're, they're, they're throwing candy at the crowd to keep them pumped yeah. up. Yeah. And, and it's so raucous, like the room yeah. is so... Who would do that? What? No. Yeah, you guys should do that. <laughs> Cheap tricks. Yeah. yeah. But they, it's so funny in the room, and then you see it on TV, and you're like, why are they laughing so hard? Right. Like, it seems right. like it's outsized. For, so we yeah. would have, like, we would do, we would rehearse the scene, and the crew would laugh like crazy. Yeah. And then once we started filming, they were done laughing. So it was like, you, you would always feel like, are we getting worse, or do they just know the joke, <laughs> you know? But it, I think in some ways it kept us real. It kept it a little more um, subtle and not... I mean, you guys had people crying and having real relationships and, and there was... Now you're trying to get back in the good graces of all the How I Met Your Mother fans. <laughs> you never saw it. I saw... I saw... <laughs> you saw it enough to hate the real estate. You were like, that apartment's too big, it's I'm turning really this off. It's really hard when you live in New York and you're like supposed to be the age that the characters are and it's like the most unrealistic portrait and you're like, God, I would kill for that apartment. <laughs> you know, a lot of young New Yorkers got over it and just enjoyed the show. They did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Luckily, you can laugh your way all the way to the bank, and I can be a bitter New York actor in my little Brooklyn apartment. So it's all, it all worked out. <laughs> this just got dark. <laughs> it all worked out. Um, well, you enjoyed doing the show tremendously, and at the same time of doing it, you were also working on your own projects, and I wanted to ask you, like, how did you balance that? Um... Well, you're doing your own films while, yeah. while you're doing this character. Well, our director, Pam Fryman, in the first season, she told me, she's like, you're not going to get everything you need creatively from this show. You're going to have to do other things. 
So I, I'd always been writing, and I'd written one screenplay that got some nice like attention, but no one made it. And then I started writing this movie, Happy Thank You More Please, my first and second season. Which I did like. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That Very has much. okay sized apartments. Uh, I just thought that it was really sweet. It was a really, yeah, really it's a fun nice movie. If you movie. haven't seen that, and for yeah. a debut film, I was so impressed and wanted to hear like what it's like to get to go through Sundance. You got to go through Sundance on both your films. Yeah, I mean, you won I, the audience award for both this one and for Liberal Arts. No, just this one. Just this one. Liberal Arts wasn't in competition. It was in another section. But another this was section in, of Sundance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not that wasn't bad. That was like an, an honor. Um, <laughs> but. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know that I could direct a film. I, I kind of had a sense I could direct this film. Yeah. But if someone handed me like Fast and the Furious, I'd be like, I don't know, I don't know how to do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> fast cars. I don't know how to do that. But I know how to do like two people in a room getting honest with each other. Like that's kind of what I am looking to make, you know. Um, so this is a lot of two two person scenes of people being honest. Um, and. Uh, you know, I was over my head like the first two or three days and then on the fourth day I kind of like got in a groove and I was like, oh, I think I love doing this. Yeah. It's, it's actually like a really good um, thing for, for my whole skill set, not just about acting and talking to actors, but like, you know, building a community and being, a, uh, being able to communicate the tone of things and being able to talk to different people how they need to be talked to, being able to kind of create a, a sense of uh, mission or momentum. Like all of that stuff is... I don't know, that's just stuff I am into as a person. And um, you get to do that all that as a filmmaker. And how did you finance your films? Um, the first one was a company called Paper Street Films. We were looking for like considerably more money to do both movies. <laughs> yeah. And then it was right around the time where all the money was being like, no, 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 you're going to get 23 days and you're going to get bupkis. So you just try to do... What the best you can, which we did great. You know, I found this DP for both movies, Seamus Tierney, who makes your little movie look like a big movie, and we shot both movies in 23 days. Um, that was Paper Street Films did the first one, and a company called BCDF did the second one. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I've liked both of them a lot, and so I, I do recommend that people see them. We have a, a shot of the other one. It's not a clip from it. Um, oh. There's you directing, right? I don't know yeah, which film that was from. Yeah, I think that's from Happy Thank the, You More, From the first that, one, yeah. Yeah, but that's the second film. I mean, yeah. Liberal, Liberal Arts, Arts, the one on Netflix. Um, I, you've spoken a lot of, in a lot of interviews about your um, meditating and spiritual life, and I meditate also, and yeah. um, you meditate. I do. But I was not asked to speak at the Dalai Lama's um, birthday, and I was curious like how that came about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's me knocking foreheads with the Dalai Lama, which was really an incredible thing. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm friends with one of the people who was organizing this, and she asked me to um, speak for his 80th birthday, and I got to um, prepare some remarks. Not long, but it was um, really extraordinary. I mean, I, there, were, <laughs> it was, there were so many people there. It was, like a, it was like a comically large arena of people. In Anaheim. Yeah, right? yeah. And, um, and I got to say these words, and then I turned around, and he was approaching me. And it was, it was like, like, I don't know, like I was on a conveyor belt. Like, I don't remember what happened, but I just, like, was coming towards him. <laughs> and the next yeah. thing he know, I know, my, our foreheads were touching, and time stopped. And I felt like, and my friend actually said, I have a stupid question, but, like, I want you to answer it. I said, well, he goes, what did his forehead feel like? <laughs> and this is what I remember. It was the perfect temperature. 
Like it was what like is, perfect. Like what it is felt the perfect like, temperature for a forehead? Well, you know, you remember, you know, when your mom would like put her head on your head to check if you had a temperature. Did you? You're, no, no, no one. Okay. Oh. <laughs> My mom would. She would touch and then she would go like that. But it was like it was clear he didn't have a fever. It was like ninety-seven. What's a temperature that you were supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah, he was like right in the zone, and it was really like. But he felt um, like healthy and like perfectly, perfectly warm. He's so sweet, and Amazing. and he's. Re- I really think he's a great. He's a true master. Like it's. I, I don't think you'd be the first to feel that way about yeah, him. Yeah, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't take that. I think some people, yeah. honestly, like don't understand that. They think oh. he's like a cute little Yoda figure. But I think like on the earth, he's like a great master, yeah. truly. And uh, so it was an incredible honor to uh, be asked to do that. And you've gone on and spoken a lot about success and failure. And I was really drawn. I'd seen one of your talks in India um, recently. And I, so I did, I was asking you about it before in, in all earnestness, because um, you've talked about the drawbacks of fame. And so I, I wanted to hear a little bit if you feel that way still now in hindsight that you've had some time away from the show. Well, it's weird. I don't, I don't feel like I have a life of like I just, I just saw the I saw the Amy Winehouse documentary, which is it's phenomenal. Incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. But like the it's the prison she was living in was so intense, and I don't have that's not my life. And certain days I, I I feel like a total person who wasn't on a TV show for all that time, and then I just went to Katz's Deli tonight, and I was reminded like, oh, I was on a TV show. The women from the Ukraine were very excited to see Aww. me. That's so sweet. Yeah, the, the, the mom demanded a kiss on the cheek. It was sweet. Um, so there's things like that that, you know, and the guy who made my sandwich was a, was a fan of the show. That's and awesome. Yeah, so stuff like that reminds you of it. But there are, um, the talk I gave in India, this was only like two or three weeks ago that I gave this talk uh, at something called the Ink Conference. But I was glad that I was able to get down some of these thoughts because I do feel like we have this cultural idea, like when I get if only I would get famous, everything would... And it's actually, the, the, like, whatever you, whatever are your kind of issues before you're famous, like, when then lots of people are looking on you, it just pours fertilizer on them. Like, you, it's suddenly amplified. Yeah. So I always, I, I always think, like if, like, if your nervous system, if your psyche is not pretty stable, like, if it, you might not be equipped for that. And I had to do a lot. I had to, like, up the meditation. And it drove me... It actually, the benefit of it was it drove me w- much deeper into a spiritual... You know, yearning because I because once you feel like, wait, I got what I thought I wanted, and it maybe it wasn't what I wanted, or maybe it wasn't what I th- maybe it's right, but but I I'm I'm looking for that to save me. It's kind of a good thing when you get what you want and realize that's not maybe what was going to make you happy, because then you can get on with the business of finding what really might. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I think you've done such a, a remarkably candid and thoughtful job of talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> Not just tonight, but in, in general, when you do your speaking gigs. Um, so what is it that you want? <laughs> I used to think maybe I wanted happiness, but I don't think that's the right word. Like, I think happiness is like a, sp- it's like a spike that you, you, it has an opposite, right? But I feel like peace doesn't. Like, like, you can be peaceful through all of that. You can still maintain that. So I'm just trying to find that, place in me that I actually think is like my essence, that is true for me, not, you know, I, th- I think I said in that speech that, you know, I, d- I don't believe where there's Darwinian animals who are wired to maximize self-interest, like, and want to be cruel to each other. Like, I think that goes against our nature. So I feel like when I can become, like, compassionate and peaceful, I feel 
like then I can deal with whatever comes at me, and I'm not I'm not just being thrown around on the waves of life. I'm I'm I mean, as they say, like you're not a wave, you're the ocean. You know what I mean? No, I, yes. I do now. Yeah. I, I really um, love hearing this because I think that the way to survive as an actor or even just for me as an inter interviewer, but is to be very zen both about the criticism and the praise. And to yeah, sort of just it's like it. that Kipling thing, you know, the uh, disaster and triumph. He calls them those twin imposters, which I really like. You're like an Encyclopedia Brown about quotes. I like them. <laughs> yeah. I'm into quotes. Ones. Um, <laughs> I wanted to just show a clip of your most recent show, which is actually going to be screened in front of Congress, which sounds very ex exciting. Right? I don't know. That might be overstating okay. things. I think there will be politicians there okay. <laughs> in D.C. Okay. I'm like, well, special screening for Congress. Spread the word. Okay. I don't think that's true. It's good, it's good but to But we are going to D.C. on Wednesday. I did this show called Mercy Street uh, that's about a hospital in the Civil War, and it's going to be on, on PBS after Downton Abbey. It's supposed to be... Um, it may potentially take over for... Well, that would be great. Uh, but I, yeah, it's about a hospital in the Civil War. It's a really cool show. I play a morphine-addicted surgeon. Josh Radner in Mercy Street. When, when That's different than out? not another teen movie. <laughs> yes, I, I was hoping to show your range. You don't <laughs> I think believe we've me, done that. <laughs> you don't believe me, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to help <laughs> show you as an actor and not hurt you. Thanks. <laughs> Um, I did also want to give you this writer's chat book because it was a, a wonderful book that someone gave me, another writer, and um, as a fellow writer, I wanted to give it to you. It has lots of facts and opinions and oh, wits from George Plimpton. I love this. Um, Thank you. And I hope you enjoy that and a Park Slope co-op bag so you can go undercover. Oh, man. And, um, this I'm happy about. And, a, and yeah. a, some other good stuff in there. No one will know I'm from California. <laughs> you will come in at the end, I hope, um, for your awards still. I'll, I'll get my... I want the award. Okay, good. Yeah. You said you... you Reserve it right after that. Um, you guys, thank you very much to Josh Radner. Thank Thanks, you so, guys. so much. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you to Alex Seiner. Thank you to Superfine Audio. Thanks to all of you for listening. Go to employeeofthemonthshow.com and get on the mailing list. Um, and you can also follow me at Twitter at Katie Lazarus. Um, we also have a Facebook page. And those are the best ways to keep up to date with um, who's coming on the show, who had to switch to another date, who decided to bring an umbrella. You know, all of the important things are all there. Um, otherwise, have a great day. Okay, bye. It could be evening. If you're if it's evening, you're going to have to just figure out what to do, whether to have a great one or not. <laughs>